I remember when I turned 16, I was very excited because when you turned 16, you could get your L's. Um, and so my mom bought me the Rose User's Handbook from what was called the RTA back then. And I studied very hard for it, much harder than I would for school. I got my L's easily. And the real challenge came when I had my first driving lesson. Uh, I love playing video games, and in video games, driving is pretty easy, right? You press a button, the car go, you turn, the car turn. But in my first driving lesson, the, I was freaked out by it. The car moved, right? And when I turned the steering wheel, the car turned. But what I didn't know was it didn't go back automatically. So my first driving lesson was a complete disaster. Good news is I pick up pretty quickly. Uh, I pick up driving pretty quickly, and then I got my 50 hours done, um, and then I went for my piece. When I went for my driving test, um, it took me three goals. Uh, I failed the first two times because I couldn't park the car. I, parking was difficult, because uh, when you do your driving test, the, you, if, you, if your wheel, one, of your, one of your wheels hit the curb, there's an instant fail item. And my first driving test, my wheel hit the curb. I know I failed. I passed everything else, but there was an instant fail item. Second time, uh, when I did my driving test, you can't turn your steering wheel more than six times. I lost track where my wheel was facing, and so that was written. That was a write-off too. Third time, I aced it. Anyway, I got my piece. It was fantastic. And when I first started driving, I became a very courageous plater on the road on my red piece. Anyway, um, I took a lot of risk. Uh, I drove really fast, and so I sped quite a lot, and I overtook other people when it wasn't totally safe. It was only by God's grace that it gave to the accident. But I did get a few of those behind me on the screen. I got a few traffic tickets, mainly for speeding. Now, a few years ago, the New South Wales government bought in an incentive uh, for driver with good behavior. What it means is if you manage to get without a traffic ticket for five years, uh, except for parking, then you'll be eligible to get a 50% discount when you renew your license. I'm going to tell my friend that I would never get that. I would never be eligible for that. Since then, my attitude in driving has changed a lot. I've matured a lot, and now I, now I drive much more responsibly and defensively. It has been six years, nearly six years, since I got my last speeding ticket. And my license up for renewal in June 2021. So 22 months to go. If I manage to be a good law-abiding citizen for the next 22 months, then I can get a 10 years license with 50% discount. Let's pray with me. Anyway. <laughs> In our next installment of Colossians, we see how Paul, how he urges the Christian in Colossae to grow and to mature in their faith. Now remember, when Paul wrote this letter, he was already in prison in Rome. And a Roman prison is anything but fun. It will be a very difficult place to be in. But despite that, despite being in prison, Paul wasn't despaired. And despite that, his concern in the letter wasn't himself, but Jesus and his followers, even to those he's never met personally. Paul wasn't despair, and Paul didn't give up in his faith. It was quite the opposite. Paul could rejoice despite his suffering. Verse 24 of Colossians 1, 
is one of the more difficult to understand verses in the Bible. Let's read with me. Colossians 1 verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, there are different interpretations um, to this verse. Um, I'll tell you what I think, um, and, but now I can tell you for a start what this verse isn't about. Now, last week, Stuart spoke to us from um, the last section of Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 to 23, and in it, it tells us that Jesus, being God's Son, He has supremacy over all things. And Jesus has the fullness of God dwell in him. So it tells us that Jesus, he can't be lacking in anything. The whole world is created in him and through him. And we sang earlier too that it is finished. That Jesus, by dying on the cross, he has reconciled all things to him. And he has forgiven all our sins because he took all our sins with him on the cross. He made it possible that we can we are now reconciled to God. So nothing is lacking at all. Now Paul talked about suffering here. On this side of heaven, sadly, suffering is a part of living in this fallen world. Illness, both physical and mental, death, sadness. Injustice, cruelty, accidents, selfishness, betrayal, they are all part of living in this fallen world. Even Jesus, our Lord Jesus, suffered immensely when he was on earth. He died on the cross willingly for us, but he was totally innocent. Elsewhere, Paul also makes it clear that the church and its people will experience and endure suffering until Christ's return. Romans chapter 8 tells us this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul is saying that as Christians, we can endure suffering because we have a certain hope. We have the certain hope in Christ. Our earth here, as beautiful as it is, is only our temporary home. One day, we'll all be in glory with God in heaven for eternity. Our life here is short compared to what is ahead. Eternity goes on forever. Our suffering here brings us eternal life in heaven, which is the reason why Paul rejoiced and the reason why we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. Now, the word here, lacking, um, is puzzling. One explanation is that Paul's suffering is the application of his work. Uh, In Acts chapter 9, Jesus commissioned him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. The Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles. Anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile, which I'm guessing is the majority of us here tonight. In Acts chapter 9, Jesus, Jesus says this to analyze about Paul. This man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul is saying, one interpretation is that Paul will suffer until all Gentiles have come to Christ. That is, every single one of them. Now, I don't think this explanation is convincing because the Bible also tells us 
there will be people who reject God. The more likely meaning then is to consider what Paul did, what his job was, before he became a Christian. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish leader who devoted his life in persecuting Christians. He would lock them up and kill them, like he killed Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And much to Paul's horror, he discovered that he had been persecuting not a handful of troublesome extremists, but the Lord who has supremacy over all things. Paul also discovered that his chief privilege as Christ's chosen instrument is to suffer for the sake of his name. He is to suffer by doing Christ's work. Paul discovered the real meaning of his suffering. That is, he is to share Jesus' suffering because it leads him to the richest union with Christ himself. As I said in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Paul had never met personally the people that he wrote to, the church in Colossae. But his concern for them is genuine and his concern for them is real. He had one mission, verse 25, chapter 1. I have become his servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in his fullness. Paul's mission was to present the word of God in his fullness to the church in Colossae and Laodicea. Now Paul goes on to explain what it means by that. Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Paul's message is the mystery. Now when we think of the word mystery, we often think about the image of a cloud and smoke and some weird things come to our mind. Something mystical that nobody could understand. Is the Bible and the message of new life a mystery like that? Absolutely not. This mystery has in fact been made known to all of God's people, not just to the Jews. Verse 27, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery here is new life in Jesus. We have the complete Bible with us today, but it was a mystery to the Jews in the Old Testament. Last term, our Christian program was on the Old, Test- Old Testament. Um, we talk about Abraham. So it was a mystery to Abraham. When God called Abraham that in the middle of the night, and God told Abraham he would make a great nation out of him, and his family would be a blessing to the whole world. Abraham by then was an old man. He was an old man married to Sarah with no kid. There was a mystery to him. Or when God promised King David that one of his sons will always be king, that was a mystery to him. Or the mystery to Isaiah, when God promised him that he would send a suffering servant to the world. God's plan was only partially revealed to the Jews. They knew that in the future, somewhere down the track, that God would send his Messiah, the Prince of Peace, to save them. But they didn't know what they said it looked like. In the New Testament, Jesus came but against the Jews' expectation. He didn't come 
to take over from the Romans. Instead, it is something far, far greater. He brought in God's kingdom. The Gentiles are now included in God's plan of salvation. That everybody in the world are now included as God's plan of salvation. This mystery or this message of new life, the goodness of salvation, has now been made known to both Jews and Gentiles. Jesus' death on the cross has redeemed our sin. We now have new life in him. Christ is now living in us. Our church mission, you can see on the banner on the other side of me, is about giving the message of new life and living new life for Jesus. And our church um, vision is that we long to see the message of new life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing Southwest for their salvation, the good of the community, and the glory of God. How are you going in giving the message of new life? In connect, care, communicate, and commit. Are you praying that God will give you the opportunity to give the message of new life? We have one of those cards called the 316441 card, um, and it's good to, to help us to give the message of new life. Back of the card, you can write down um, the name of four people, a family member, a friend, a next-door neighbor, and someone you are yet to meet. Pray for them. One, you can find one of those cards at the back of the welcoming table. Take one home and write the name down and pray for them. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to give the message of new life. Because we have a great helper on our side. Have confidence in what we do. We have Jesus in us. If God is for us, who can be against us? We are gathering people here today. There are many different groups that meet in Oran Park every week. But we are different. You know what sets us apart as a church? We have Jesus. We have the gospel. Jesus is what sets us apart from other groups that meet here in Oran Park. Paul has a message for us here today. Here for us, New Life and in Construction Oran Park tonight. Verse 28, he said this. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's Jesus, the center of everything we do. Every time we get here at church, every time we come to church, we must put Jesus and the gospel as the center in everything we do. We need to proclaim Verse 1, we need to give the message of new life. In our various ministry here with our church, we have new life kids, new life youth, playtime, mops, life group, Jesus for the Curious, SRE, chapel, J crew, a pastoral care team, the seniors group, the village. Everything we do, they're all centered in Jesus and his word. Secondly, Paul called on us to admonish that the Bible is our guide in life. It's like our street directory, like our GPS. That is what it tells us how to live God's way, and it's what sets us apart from the world. I love our church. We're all very different, yet we get it together around God's word. We need to encourage one another in our walk with Jesus. Have a look um, on my right, on my left and your right. Uh, it's about living new life with Jesus. Our cause to be faithful, adventurous, compassionate, enduring Christian. 
we need to be a Christian that endures. Our enduring value calls on us to endure, to run the race for Jesus. Are you attending a life group regularly? Where are you weak and in danger of falling? Who knows you well enough to ask this question? And in the same way, who are you strengthening to run the race to the end? Encourage one another. Support one another to run the race. Thirdly, about teaching, we need to constantly seek new ways to give the message of new life. Our part of the world here in southwest Sydney has changed a lot. The Oran Park of five years ago, 2014, is very different to the Oran Park of today. And it will be looked very different again five years from now in 2024. The people that are going to move in, majority of them will know nothing about Jesus. Our mission and vision is to bring the message of new life to them. Jesus said about this, about mission, Matthew chapter 9. The harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send our workers into his harvest field. Our impound the growing southwest is the harvest field, is the mission field. But there are not many workers there. The message of new life is for everyone. Jews and Gentiles, male and female, young and old, across different cultures. Everyone can know Jesus, and everyone can fully mature in him. But becoming a Christian is only the first step. What follows is a lifelong journey of walking with Jesus, growing in our faith, until reaching full maturity, and that will happen when we receive God's glory in heaven. Helping believers to grow in maturity is Paul's goal in ministry, verse 29, to this end. I strenuously contend with all energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Two things this verse shows us. One is that Paul works strenuously to see the Colossian church to grow in maturity. Another one is God used Paul to help the believers to give and to live the message of new life so that they will grow in maturity. Now God is sovereign. God is always in control of all things. And God used his people, like Paul and us today, to grow his kingdom. And that is not easy. Ministry is hard work. Satan is always seeking to destroy God's work. Paul had to work very hard. He had to work strenuously in agony to do God's work. This is also the same prayer and the same goal as the staff team, Stuart, myself, Jeff, Lauren, Tim, and Amy, that we have for you. Our prayer is that you will continue to grow to love Jesus and mature in your faith. Our prayer is that we will work together to bring the message of new life to Oran Park and the growing Southwest. We want to grow God's kingdom here. I'm going to look at the passion and the concern Paul showed to Christians in Colossae and Laodicea. Christians he hasn't met yet. Chapter 2, verse 1, tells us this, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those that nailed the seer and for all who have not met me personally. Paul is pouring everything, everything he had for them so they will grow in their faith. In verse 2, he moved on to address the individual Christians there. He says this, My goal is that 
they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they have the full riches of the complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Three things here. First one, God wants us to be encouraged in the heart. Individually, be encouraged by God's word and his people. Number two, to be united in love. Our church, like I said, is an amazing place. Have a lot of people around you. We're all very different people gathered together around God's word each week. We're united by Christ in love. Love one another. And thirdly, have a complete understanding. Remember, Jesus and his word is what set us apart from just being another community group that we see in Oran Park. It is very important to get that right. If Christ isn't the center in what we do, we are not a church anymore. Christ must be the center of everything we do. And very sadly, it's happened to lots and lots of churches, even those close to us. We mustn't lose the mission of God, namely Christ in our church. Jesus is the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Satan will constantly seek to attack the people of God. He is cunning. He will twist the truth just ever slightly and makes it appealing to our world. Even Christians can be deceived. A false gospel is no gospel at all. A false gospel is no gospel at all. Paul then issued a warning to the church and to us in verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Now, come back next week to find out more about what the problem is. But for now, know one thing. Know this, that none of us here tonight is immune from Satan's deception. What can we do? Two things we need to do to defend ourselves in this spiritual battle, in verse 5. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Two things we need to do to defend ourselves in this spiritual battle. We need to be disciplined and hold firm in our faith. We need to read God's word. Now, I know it's not, sometimes it's hard to read God's word, but we need to persevere in reading God's word. We need to ground ourselves on God's word, have a firm foundation so that we can defend ourselves under attack. We need to pray, to persevere in our prayer, pray that God will protect us and help us. I said before, our church called us to be, our last, the eighth value is enduring. We need to endure in this Christian race. Support one another. In our first reading tonight in Hebrews 12, it gives us the encouragement we need in our walk with Christ. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Let me read this to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Be encouraged by that. We have God on our side. If God is with us, who can be against us? Suffering is part of living in this fallen world. 
But when we suffer, we share in Christ's suffering. We're not alone. And the good news is, there's no suffering in heaven. There's no more pain, no more crying, no more, sad, no more sadness, no more sickness, and no more death. If you're sitting here today, and you already follow Jesus, can I encourage you to keep mature in your faith? I want to encourage you to continue to live the message of new life with Jesus, to be a faithful, an adventurous, a compassionate, and an enduring Christian. Are you in a life group? If you're not in one, you'd have to join one. Write down a K-Connect card, and Jeff will contact you and talk about joining a life group. And where are you weak and in danger of falling? How can you be encouraged and be an encourager to others? If you're sitting here today, you're not yet a Christian, then come, I want to invite you to discover this mystery. We run a course called Jesus for the Curious, it's term, and helps you to, to, to discover who Jesus is. Write down a Can Connect card. We would love to have you come along so that you can discover Jesus for yourselves, to find the message of new life for yourselves. But know this, we need to mature in our faith and notice God is always there for us. We need to be a faithful, adventurous, a compassionate and enduring Christian. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for new life in him. Please help us as a church to continue to grow in maturity. Help us to give and to live the message of new life. And for those who do not yet follow you, please help them to discover the mystery of Christ. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Cool, but questions? Any question time? If you guys have any question, uh, either from my sermon tonight or just from the Bible or other things in general, uh, feel free to ask me. I'll do my best to answer your question. Have you got any questions? Uh, Michael, in the pa- oh, in the passage, um, it talks about him suffering. Yeah. Um, it appears that he's actually physically suffering as well, like yeah. in jail. And so, are we talking about suffering physically or suffering because we're sharing the new life of Jesus to other people, maybe being ridiculed, or is it both? Both, both. So both physical, which is um, our body or with family or friends um, that just come living in perfect world but also suffering in terms of sharing the message. Um, when we could lose friends over that, uh, people could laugh at us, could ridicule us um, in our workplace, in our school, for following Jesus. So both. So, and how do we rejoice in the physical suffering? It's very hard in practice, I think. Um, but I think that it, the Bible talks about um, that suffering builds our character, uh, endures. And for me personally, um, I just think that um, every day is a day closer to Jesus. Um, when um, I have uh, family issues, when health issues, other things, the thing that um, the world we live in isn't perfect, um, but know that um, every, day with one, every day is a day closer to glory of going to heaven. Yeah.
So Noah wants to know what's the difference between Jesus and God's word? Yep, um, good question. So Jesus uh, is God's son. Uh, so he's the son of God, the God's only son. He definitely came to die for us. And God's word is the Bible. Um, so God's word is like the book that we have. Um, all 66 books in the Bible that tells us who God is and tells us what God's plan is for us. And Jesus is God's son that he sent to die for us on the cross. So Jesus is the person, um, and by the God's way is the Bible. Yeah? Any other question? No. Uh, that team to come up and do a can connect card then. <laughs>